Welcome into another special edition of Boys Don't Lie, the podcast. It is Owen Burke back again to talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, if you're just now listening, if this is the first thing you're listening to on Friday, make sure you go tune in to Samar's Polo G, um, his Polo G album review, and also make sure you go listen to our two-hour bonus that me and him put out um, as well. I have a lot of sports talk on the end of there. I mentioned this bonus quite a bit in there, so if you came over from there, hey, man, props to you. You must got a lot of time on your hands, and I appreciate you for spending that time with me. There's nothing more than I love than talking about sports and hearing what you guys think about it afterwards. So if uh, this is if you're coming over from that bonus to here, I appreciate you for being here, and thank you for spending all day with me. Um, if you're going from this bonus, you're going to go listen to that one after you. I appreciate you as well. If you're just going to listen to one or the other or just Sam's and you're not even listening to this one, hey, man, a listen's a listen. I don't really care where it falls at. I appreciate all of you guys nonetheless. Um, so today we have a couple fan questions because I had a lot of fan questions come in and a lot of NBA questions. I decided to bump those kind of over to this bonus. So if you didn't hear your question on the, the, the two hour bonus or vice versa if you if you're here you know if you don't hear yours here and you want to listen to and you don't you know you don't hear it here I'm getting a little twisted up my bad if you don't hear it here go listen to the other bonus I may have talked about it there and if you don't hear it there shoot me a text DM or Shay a text or a DM and let us know um, we'll try to make sure we get it on to episode 19 next week uh, we had a lot of questions coming especially today. Uh, kind of last minute, so I kind of throw try to throw the ones that were most um, that pertained the most to what I was already talking about. So you're going to hear a lot of Trey Young talk today. We had a lot of questions about the Hawks today as well. So a lot of Atlanta talk. Uh, I'm going to hop right into it because, like I said, we got a couple questions. Then I want to talk about kind of the playoffs, how we've got here, where we're at, and who I think is going to take home the Larry O'Brien Trophy here in the next month or so. So our first question today um, comes from my buddy Jake. Uh, down in Wichita. He said, Trey Young's turning into a villain right before our eyes. Can he lead the Hawks past the Bucks? Now, that's a great question. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on just because, um, you know, I'm going to talk about the conference finals and my finals preview and who I think is going to walk home with that. But the whole villain thing, man, I love it. I can't get enough. And a lot of people are like, I don't know, how would you consider him a villain? Like, what what is he doing? Like, I don't think people quite realize that, like, a lot of the hate that Trey Young got now, granted, I'm in the middle of Kansas. Him going to OU means I was around a lot of people that did not like Trey Young when he was in college. But nationally, there was a lot of guys that didn't like him. There's a lot of guys that think, yeah, he has Steph Curry potential, but he is horribly inefficient from downtown. He's not a great playmaker. He's too small. Da-da-da. He's balding, whatever you want to say, whatever your knock was against Trey Young. He's obviously proven all those people wrong. Um, he is here. Uh, and he looks like he's here to stay. He's absolutely playing out of his mind down the stretch. Past All-Star break, he was an absolute animal, and he's been an absolute animal in the playoffs. Where the villain stuff comes from is anybody that's watched the NBA for a long time or knows, there is, there's a couple places that are more hostile than others. Like a couple games where like home court advantage is a thing. Like you do not want to play in these cities, whether it's for bad reasons or good reasons. Like... And those cities off the top of my head that I could think of where I'm like, I do not want to play a road game. I don't want to play a road game in Utah. Their fans are very rude. I mean, it wouldn't matter as much to me, but they've had, they've had a, a history of their fans being kind of racist and very, very discriminatory towards players on other teams. I don't want to play a road game in Boston, kind of the same reason. I don't want to play a road game uh, in New York. 
I mean, Knicks basketball fans are absolutely nuts. Those guys are insane. Uh, It takes a lot of mental Well, I wouldn't even say it takes a lot of mental stability to be a longtime Knicks fan. Honestly, it kind of takes some mental instability. You have to be a little unstable to be a Knicks fan for a very long time. So walking into the Garden and playing an away game there, as cool as the atmosphere is, and yeah, it's the mecca of basketball, that's kind of a terrifying thought to me. And also Philadelphia because, I mean, and... It's not just the Sixers, it's Philly as a whole. Their entire, the city of Philadelphia is absolutely nuts when it comes to sports fans. I don't want to play a road game uh, against the Eagles, and I don't want to play a road game against the Sixers. Trey Young has took the Hawks into both arenas, into the Mecca in New York, and into, um, I don't know where what the title of this, the, the, the arena in Philly is, but he's went into both New York and Philadelphia. He's beaten those teams on their home court, and he's led his team past both of those teams to get to the conference finals. That's where this whole villain thing is. All the stuff, Trey Young's balding chance in New York, or the fuck Trey Young chance in New York, I mean... I, that's where this whole villain arc is coming from. This guy is looking out at these thousands of fans in the crowd on thousands of people on social media saying all these hateful things towards him about his game or his personality or his looks or whatever. And he's basically ice tray. He shrugs it off, goes out, hits a couple more threes, gets his team to the conference finals, and he took he dropped 48 and 11 and took game 1 over Giannis and the Bucks, which I've seen nothing but on on social media, since the Hawks and the Bucks both clinched before Game One, everyone from everything I've seen, it's been a foregone conclusion that the Bucks are making the finals and they're winning in four or five. Now, granted, the five thing is still a possibility, but the Hawks look good, man. The Hawks are probably the second hottest team in basketball right now, and that's no knock to them. It's just the Phoenix Suns are on an absolute uh, another planet in another dimension, another solar system. Another sorry about that, my phone went off once. Um, Another solar system dimension, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. They're out of this fucking world. And a whole, yeah, I can't even can't even put it into words. I'm going to sit here and stumble my stumble over myself if I keep trying. Um, so can he lead the Hawks past the Bucks? I'll answer that part later on. But I love the villain arc, man. Who doesn't love a good villain here? There, Thanos, Killmonger, the Joker. Uh, I mean... Everybody loves a good Darth Vader. You can we can all get behind a good villain if the role is played correctly. And Trey Young has slipped that role on like a glove, and he is he is using that glove, and he's trying to make the finals. And I think they have a solid chance to do it. But I'll talk about that more a little bit later on. Um, another question we had: How much of the Suns' success should be credited to CP3 to Chris Paul? Um, Man, it's a very, very tough question to answer. A lot of people think it's kind of open and shut that he is the reason that they're there um, because Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton weren't doing much before he got there, and now all of a sudden they are the two seed and they're playing in the conference finals. But Monty Williams was a Coach of the Year candidate, and I think he got snubbed for Coach of the Year. I'm sorry to all my Knicks fans out there. Uh, I'm not a huge Tom Thibodeau guy. I think Monty Williams has been one of the most underrated coaches, whether head coach or assistant coach for a very long time. I think he deserved um, Coach of the Year. I'm okay with it going to Tibbs in the long run because I don't think this, as much as I love the Knicks and I love all my Knicks fans out there, I don't think the Knicks' success might is going to be sustained for long. I was a Knicks fan for a very long time. So the flashes of hope are always fun, and I want every Knicks fan out there to enjoy this year, and I hope you enjoyed this year because it's not always for granted that it's going to happen again next year and the year after and the year after. So... 
um, when it comes to how much credit CP3 should get, I mean, a solid 25 to 30% if I had to try to put a number on it. I mean, uh, Devin Booker's been extremely good. DeAndre Ayton's played extremely good. Their roster's always been good. They have a lot of good role players in Macau Bridges. Frank Kaminsky's played really well off the bench. But they get... Monty Williams and CP3 are obviously the two game changers. They have experience together. Um, CP3's first couple years in the league in New Orleans, in the, the Pelicans, or it was the Hornets at the time. The New Orleans Hornets slash OKC Hornets, actually, when Katrina displaced them to Oklahoma City while the Supersonics were still a team. They were uh, Monty Williams' head coach then. Uh, it was his first head coaching gig with CP3. Um, they've been able to reunite learn from the past, their past, learn from the time that they've had apart from each other, and they've really, really turned this into one of the most high-powered and most efficient offenses in the league today. Um, so I definitely think CP3 is is very, very much so a big part of the Suns' success. Would I say he's a $40 million a year player? I don't know, man. That's tough. That's what he wants this offseason. He wants $40 million a year for three to four years, which the length is one thing. He's getting old. I don't know if I'm willing to put a four-year contract out. I know how good he is. I know what he brings to the court. Is I'm not trying to discredit Chris Paul. I know a majority of what Chris Paul brings to your team does not show up in a box score. I know this. I've wa- I watched the game. I know how good of a basketball mind he is. I understand it. $40 million a year is a very, very high price tag. and You have to look at the guys that are getting paid that much money. And can you put Chris Paul in that category? That's the issue. I think he's 100% the 30 to 35 range. I have no doubts in my mind about that. When you break that 40 a year cap, that's where it's like, man, I don't know. Like you've we you got to see some extreme level production. There's only a couple guys in this league that hit that 40 million a year mark, and I don't know if I'm quite willing to give Chris Paul it. If the Suns do give it to him, I don't think it's a bad idea. If the Suns went out and gave him that 40 a year next year, I don't think they're going to regret it in the long run. It's just kind of do you do, does the Suns front office does James Jones, who is the GM of their team now, does he think that Chris Paul is worth forty million of their dollars? Because that's what it matters. The market value matters to a certain extent, but it's are you going to get? I, I said this. You'll hear if you listen to the other bonus first. You'll hear me talk about this with with Dennis Schroeder and the Lakers. Is Chris Paul going to be worth forty million dollars to the Suns? Is him coming out? And him playing and what he brings to your team, is he going to bring $40 million worth of production to your team on and off the court, in and out of the stat sheet? A lot of people will tell you yes. I think I I'm I teeter yes or no. And even if I lean no, he's right in that, you know, like I said, 30, 35, even 38 million. It's just that, I don't know why, that 40 just sticks on my head and I can't quite get by it. But he is very, very talented and he's obviously a very, very large reason of why the Suns are where they're at right now. Why they're he's not a part of why they're up 2 0 because uh, he's been out with COVID uh, and COVID protocols the last for the first two games, but it doesn't matter. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Cameron Payne has been the unsung hero of the playoffs in general, especially in game two. He had 29 and 9. And I talked about the Bulls being in the limbo of all limbos in, in, in the other bonus that came out. And you want to talk about a 2017 campaign got traded from the Thunder to the Bulls, and uh, one of their execs came out. Um, pretty early on in his time there and said we could tell by the second practice that Cameron Payne could not play at an NBA level. He dropped 29 points and 9 assists with zero turnovers in Game 2, in a in a, in a clutch Game 2, um, to take a 2-0 lead against the Clippers. Um, yeah, so that, that exec is an idiot. 
Um, I cam- I've been a cam- big campaign guy since he was in OKC. I never thought he got a fair shake in Chicago. Um, he was able to bounce back with the G League. COVID almost derailed it. He was able to get another shot in the G League, got his roster spot. And I think, again, I think this is another thing when you talk about what Chris Paul brings to your team. I think a lot of what campaign's doing right now is being able to play underneath Chris Paul and watch what he does on the court and trying to emulate that. I think campaign's been a sponge since Chris Paul's got there, and I think it's finally showing and paying off on the court right now. Um the last question we got, um, man, this is by far the hardest question I've gotten asked all week. Honestly, this might be the hardest question that I've been asked all 18 episodes, uh, every bonus, the two episodes to come, the bonuses to come, whatever. This might be the hardest question I've had to answer to date. Um, it was a post on social media. Somebody sent it to Shay. He forwarded it to me. Um, and it was rank these four players in order. Try to put these guys one, two, three, four. Um, the four players are Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and I wrote down Trey Young twice for some reason, um, so that's why I'm blanking on the fourth guy. I'll just have to pull up the picture here. Give me just a second. Um, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, and Devin Booker. I don't know why I wrote Trey Young twice. Uh, that's kind of a brain fart on my part. I apologize. Um, so these four guys, man, I don't know. Like I said, oh, this is tough. Um, I think there's a reason these four guys were picked because it is a very, very close argument. I think if you were to add Luca to this conversation, I think Luca falls at one. That's why you don't see him on this graphic at all. Um, it'd be interesting to kind of throw Zion into this and kind of see where a lot of people would rank him. But I'm I'm glad that they didn't put Zion or Luke on here because it would just make it even harder than it already is. And like I said, this is the toughest question I've been asked. Um, so ranking these guys one through four. If I had to pick one lock where I feel like I'm 100%, this is the one I feel most comfortable about, it's probably Donovan Mitchell being the fourth best, the worst player out of these four guys. Now, it's nothing against Donovan Mitchell. He's an absolute bucket. He's a hooper. He played out of his mind while the Jazz were still in, in the playoffs uh, through the first round against Memphis, he was on fire, and he played very, very well against the Clippers until he struggled with his ankle injury uh, in that series, which I think that had a major, major hand in the Clippers being able to bounce the Jazz and move on to the Western Conference Finals. Um, so it's nothing against Donovan Mitchell. I just think that the the three guys above him just have that it's not that Donovan Mitchell doesn't have that it factor, but it's the three guys above him have more of that it factor. I believe those three guys have more than he does, if that makes sense. So that's my lock. Now, as for the other three men. Now, granted, I just said that that was a lock. You can make a case for all four of these guys to be the one on this list. You can make a case for all four guys to be two, three, and four, and so on. Um, but I think... That I put Donovan Mitchell at four. Now the three spot. This is probably the toughest decision for me. Is deciding two and three. I have a pretty good idea of who I think is the one guy on this list. Like I said you can make a case. There's obviously a debate to be had here. There's an argument to be had. I know who my one guy is. So trying to pick the order of two. And I know who my four guy is. Picking the two and three spot is very very difficult. And despite him playing out of his mind right now in the playoffs. And getting the Suns to a two and oh mark. I'm going to put Devin Booker at three. Um extremely talented nothing wrong in his game um i think uh, the reason i'm going to knock him down a peg a little bit 
is uh, I've seen a lot of hype surrounding him lately. Uh, he's a big student of Kobe Bryant before he passed away. A lot of people draw a lot of comparisons to his game, and Stephen A. Smith even came out on first take earlier this week and said that Devin Booker is the next Kobe Bryant. Let's pump the fucking brakes here. Let's let's calm down. I love Devin Booker just as much as the next guy. He is nowhere near what Kobe Bryant was, and I don't think he's going to be anywhere near where Kobe Bryant is all-time ever. I don't see it. Um, offensively, 100%. Yeah, you could draw the comparisons. Uh, the work ethic, Mamba mentality, it's its a its a nature of the game. It is a mindset that Kobe Bryant invented. It's a mindset that a lot of the young players have adapted, and it's one that I think Devin Booker has, has adapted and performed it to one of the highest degrees in the league. But Kobe Bryant was a nine-time first-team all-defensive player. Devin Booker has not sniffed second-team all-defense ever in his career. So let's not put him in this, he's the next Kobe Bryant, because he's missing... To me, he's missing half of what made Kobe so great. And that's the fact that he was able to come out, bust your ass for 30 to 35 a night, and he was going to take your best player on the other end, and he was going to put the fucking clamps on him and hold him to under 20 to 25. That's what Kobe Bryant did. That's what made Kobe Bryant so special. Anybody can go out and drop 30 to 35, especially in today's league. Trey Young just went out and put 48 up. James Harden had a streak where he was putting up 30 to 35, and he averaged 34 to 35 for a year. Kevin Durant could go out and get you 35. Stephen Curry, there is tons of guys in this league now where I think, yeah, that guy, if I had to bet my, li- bet my life on it, there is a solid 10 to 15 guys where I would bet my life on them going and getting 35 against a guy. Now, how many guys can I look at and and stare them in the face and be like, I would bet my life on that guy holding, you know, Trace Prime T-Mac, holding even a banged up T-Mac to 20 to, 20 to 25. There's, there's nowhere near as many guys. There's a couple, but there's not a lot. Kobe Bryant was that guy on defense. That's what made him special. Like I said, James Harden can go out and drop 35 just as efficiently, if not better than Kobe Bryant can, but there's he can't touch anything. Nowhere near can touch what Kobe Bryant did on the, on the defensive half of the court. Neither can Devin Booker. So let's stop the comparisons there. If you want to talk about offensively, 100%. We can draw comparisons and we can have fun with that all day. Let's not bring it to the all-around game because Devin Booker is nowhere near of a good of a defensive catalyst as Kobe Bryant was. Now, I have D-Book at three. And like I said, this is nothing against D-Book, D-Book or Donovan Mitchell. Nothing against these guys. They're great young talents. I would kill to have them on my favorite team in the league no matter what my favorite team was. But I think the two guys above them just have more. I believe more in them. I think they have more of that it factor. My two spot is going to go to Ice Trey Young down in Atlanta. Um, he's proven a lot to me, and like I said, we t- I talked about it in the in the other bonus. We live and die by the three pointer these days, and Devin Booker is obviously a very good three point shooter. But people are drawing these Stephen Curry comparisons for Trey Young, and I just don't see it. Trey Young is one of a kind. He is his own breed. Trey Young is is I there's I don't know what else to say, man. I feel like if there's a guy right now in this league that has that it factor, that villain, that venom in his game, Trey Young just does not care. I'm going to go out and get buckets, and uh, you know we're going to come out on top of this game, and you guys are going to shut up about it. That's that's Trey Young right now. He's playing like it. He's talking like it. He's playing like it. And it's Atlanta basketball right now is I as much as I love the Suns, and I think the Suns are a little bit more hot right now. I would rather watch the Hawks play basketball. Uh, Lloyd Pierce has come in and played um, and been a great coach for them. They've went 35 and 15 to end the year after he got hired. Um, 
So I think he has a great part to do with their success as well. But Trey Young's kicked it into another stratosphere, man. He's been. I see a lot of it factor in Trey Young. He is he is that guy in Atlanta. Um, and the one spot I'm going to go, Jason Tatum. Um, when I looked at these four guys, I think honestly I wouldn't call it as much of a lock because, like I said, you can you can make an, a debate for any four of these guys to be the number one guy on this list. But when I looked at it, my instant reaction was Jason Tatum is one. Um, I think, you know, injuries aside, you look at the career trajectory of Jason Tatum, I think his floor, the worst that Jason Tatum could end his career, he'll be Paul Pierce. That's still a Hall of Famer, still one of the greatest, if, you know, one of the greatest Celtics of all time. That's not a bad floor to have. Um, as far as the ceiling, obviously he's, they, the, the physical gifts are a lot different from him to Kevin Durant, but... When I'm talking about gifted scores, when I'm talking about if I had to bet my life, you know, the game's on the line, game's tied at 90, who's going to go get me a bucket? Whether it be a two, a three, draw in the fouls and get free throws. Obviously, James Harden's in that conversation when you bring the draw in the fouls and free throws into it. When I'm talking about strictly going to get me buckets, obviously, Kevin Durant is very high on that list. All four of these guys are very high on that list, man. Kevin Durant's one, and I'm hard-pressed not to put Jason Tatum at three behind Luka Doncic and, and Kevin Durant. Jason Tatum is that guy. Um, he just, uh, I, I, there's, there are no words. It's the same thing when it comes to Luka. I think Luka's just a better playmaker than Jason Tatum is. But, man, you want to talk about pure, unadulterated buckets, man. People, people, you know, like to bring Devin Booker in and be like, "Oh, this is the next Kobe Bryant." Man, I see Jason Tatum as more of a Kobe Bryant than I do Devin Booker, especially even offensively. Man, Jason Tatum is that fucking guy, man. Uh, I just he is he is on a, a another planet of his own. And like I said, when you're talking about the most gifted scorers in the league going into next year. Kevin Durant's up there. Luka Doncic's up there. I put Jason Tatum in the conversation as well. Like I said, all four of these guys are in that conversation. But honestly, those are the three guys off the top of my head. Obviously, James Harden enters the conversation. And I'm leaving guys out. But those are the first three guys that I'm like, that those are the, my first three instinct reactions. And James Harden, I'll tack four on that list as well. In no type of order. Those are the four names that come to my head. That's, that's how good Jason Tatum is, in my opinion. Um, he is... There, there's no other way to put it. There, there's I can't explain it anymore. He is that fucking guy. So that's going to do it for our fan questions. We're going to get into our, our playoff kind of roundup and our finals predictions, which is going to be the rest of the show. It's kind of what the bonus is supposed to be outside of the fan questions. Um, I'm going to do a quick run-through of, um, of my playoff bracket, the one that I filled out for our playoff predictions that I posted a while back. And then I'm going to talk about the conference finals, what I think is going to happen, and then uh, my finals predictions as well. So starting in the East, Philly and Washington. I had Philly in five. Um, Philly obviously moved. I'm not going to nitpick the games. I don't have the time to try to sit here and look up who actually bounced who and what amount of games. Philly did move on, so I had that one right. I uh, had the Knicks in four over the Hawks. Boy, was I fucking wrong. I will, I'm okay with being wrong. I like being proven wrong when it comes to these things because it's – if I'm being proven wrong, to me, that means the game's more exciting to me. Because if I had this expectation and the other thing happens, that's exciting because I wasn't expecting it to happen. That's why the league's ratings are so good right now is because on any given night, you don't know who's walking out with a win. This is the first final since 2006 that Stephen Curry, LeBron James, or Kobe Bryant are not involved in the NBA Finals. 
We have a chance to see Chris Paul get a ring this year. We have a chance to see Giannis get a ring. Trey Young could be crowned this early in his career. We could see D-Book get one as well with CP3. Or you could see Kawhi grab another one and cement his legacy as one of the few players in NBA history to win three rings, one with each, you know, one, win three rings, one with a different team each time, you know, win three titles with three different organizations, I guess is the best way to put it. So this is, like I said, I said in our playoff prediction, this is going to be the most fun that the playoffs have been in years. I was wrong about a lot of these predictions, but I think that overall arcing statement has been true and I think will continue to remain true. So with the Knicks, obviously I was wrong. Um, ATL is still kicking. Um, I had Milwaukee in seven over Miami. I had the right team in the wrong amount of games. Milwaukee sent Miami home at seven. I apologize to everyone who listened to the playoff predictions. I lied to you. I boldface lied to you. I said this was going to be the best series of the first round. It was the worst series of the first round. Like I said, Miami forgot how to shoot. They went ice cold from downtown. They went ice cold from the field. Giannis, I mean, the Bucks didn't even have to play well. They played horrible in game one, and they still won in overtime. Uh, Miami couldn't get anything going. It was the worst series in the first round. I apologize for lying to you. So, uh, But I did have Milwaukee moving on, so technically I was, I was right, just I was wrong about the amount of games and everything else. I had Brooklyn in four over Boston. I believe Brooklyn actually did. I think Brooklyn won in five. Wrong amount of games, right team. Uh, so I had Philly and Brooklyn. In the Eastern Conference, or I had Philly and New York in the second round. Um, I had Philly moving on. I was wrong there again. I was wrong because they didn't play against the Knicks. They played the Hawks, and I was wrong because I had Philly moving on, and they didn't move on. Um, So Philly got bounced. ATL moves in. Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I had Brooklyn in six. I was wrong again. It looked like it was going to be Brooklyn in seven, but KD just ran out of gas, couldn't get it done in, at the end of regulation with the size 18 shoes, couldn't cap it off in OT. Uh, Milwaukee moves on in seven. So when you look at my Easter Conference Finals predictions, I was wrong on both accounts. I had Philly and Brooklyn. It ended up being ATL and Milwaukee. Um, I'm going to leave that there. We'll come back to the Conference Finals. Let's run through the West real quick. I had Utah over Memphis in five. Uh, Utah did move on. I had the Clippers over Dallas. Uh, but got that one right. I had Denver over Portland, which was right. And then I had LA over Phoenix, which was that was obviously wrong. Um, Phoenix did bounce the Lakers in six games. After that, uh, the Clippers and the Jazz. I had the, the Jazz moving on. Obviously, I was wrong about that one. The Clips were able to survive in seven. I had the Lakers going over the Nuggets, which was wrong. But I had the Nuggets losing. I was right about that. I was just wrong about who was going to beat them. Obviously, uh, the Suns move on to the Western Conference Finals um, after they took down the Nuggets. So now you're left with your Clippers and the Suns on the Western side. And you have you have Atlanta, the five-seed Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks, and the three-seed Milwaukee Bucks in the East. This is the first time... Since uh, I might get the year wrong, excuse me. I might get the year wrong. I believe this is the first time since 1974 that neither one seed has made the conference finals in the playoffs. We've had at least one, if not both of the one seeds from the East and the West have made the conference finals since 1974. This is the first time since. You have the five, you have the three and the five seed in the East, and you have the two and the four seed in the West right now. Um, so, as the conference finals as they are, as of recording right now, um, the Hawks are up 1-0 uh, 
over the Bucks. I believe they play game two tonight, so that will change um, by the time the show comes out. Uh, Trey Young had 48 and 11 in the first game. And this comes back around to Jake's question earlier. Can Trey Young lead the Hawks past the Bucks? As much as I love Trey Young and as much as I've praised as I've given him, I don't know. Because he played a damn near perfect game in game one and they only slipped out by three. Um, I think this series is going to go six, if not seven games. Um, man, this is tough. Trying to pre- trying to predict who's going to make it out, man. I've bet against him the whole way. I've bet against him the whole way, so I'm not going to make the same mistake again. I'm going to take the Hawks in seven. Um, I think Trey Young gets it done. I think Milwaukee faces another year of disappointment. Mike Budenholzer might be kicking rocks after this year. We don't know. I could be wrong, 100%. I mean, obviously, if we've learned anything from my playoff prediction to now is I am human. Mistakes can be made, but on top of that, like I said, this is the most unpredictable the playoffs have been in the last five to ten years. I'm going to take the Hawks in seven. Um, I, as much as I I think I honestly do think the Bucks probably will win, I bet against Trey Young in both series. I didn't think he was going to get it done against the Knicks. I didn't think he was going to get it done against Philly. I can't bet against him for a third time in a row. I'm going to go with the Hawks moving on to the finals out of the East. Um, in the West, as of time of recording this, the Suns are up 2-0. After a masterclass from Devin Booker in Game 1 in the Valley-Oop to DeAndre Ayton as time expired in Game 2. Suns are up 2-0. They're headed back to L.A. for Game 3. I believe that, that that game should be taking place Friday. So by the time you're listening to this or shortly after, uh, Game 3 will be played in L.A. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a hot take. I know that the Clippers have came back down from 0-2 in their previous series, and they're... You know, everyone's like, oh, the Clippers got the Suns right where they want them. They're 0-2 just like everybody else was. Well, you remember, everybody said that about Denver last year. They were down 3-1 in the first round. They came back and won. They went down 3-1 in the second round. They came back and won. They went down 3-1 to LeBron in the East, the Western Conference Finals. They got bounced in five. The Clippers have went down 0-2 in the first round, came back and beat the Mavs. They went down 0-2 to the Jazz, came back and beat them. They went down 0-2 to the Suns. They're going to get bounced in five. I'm taking the Jazz in game five. Or, I'm taking the Suns in Game 5 over the Clippers and give me what what I'm going to call the NBA Finals. This is for the culture. This is the Suns v. Hawks. I think this is what the fans want. I think this is what the fans deserve. I am extremely excited. If this happens, man, holy shit. What a time to be a basketball fan, man. Uh, I mean, you got... Oh man, I ugh, it gives me chills. I got goosebumps sitting here thinking about it. To watch Trey Young and the Hawks in the city of Atlanta battle up against Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and the Phoenix Suns from the Valley out in Arizona. Do battle for seven games in the NBA Finals. This is going to be an extremely fun series to watch. Now, Outside of that, you look at the other matchups, we could see Milwaukee and Phoenix. I think that would be a very, very good matchup. You're going to test DeAndre Ayton's defensive abilities because he's probably going to be in a one-on-one matchup with Giannis all night. Um, You could see um, Atlanta versus the Clippers as well. Could be a possible scenario. Um, I think that would be a very fun one to watch, watching Trey Young and the trash-talking Clippers go at it, which who doesn't love to hate the Clippers? I think that's a... 
if there's one thing that 29 teams in the NBA can agree on, it's fuck the Clippers. Uh, so watching the ultimate villain Trey Young stave off the Clippers from winning their first ever title in franchise history would be a storybook way to go. And also you could see Milwaukee and um, you could see Milwaukee in the Clippers in the finals, which would be another fun one. We get to see Giannis in his first finals and we get to see if he can avenge being bounced from the Eastern Conference um, by by Kawhi uh, a year or two ago as well. So many, many, many fun, you know, I think my phone just fell. Um, I think any any way this shakes out, whether Atlanta makes it, whether Milwaukee makes it, whether Phoenix makes it, whether the Clippers make it, all of these final final predictions, like all of all of the potential matchups that we're going to see, are very very fun. I think they'll all be fun to watch. Um, but as of right now, I'm going to rock with the Hawks. I'm going to rock with the Hawks in seven. I think I said that earlier. Hopefully I said Hawks in seven. Hawks in six or seven. I'm taking the Suns in five. I think uh, the Clippers are going to slip a game, but I don't think they're going to be able to do much. Phoenix is going to win. I think they're going to steal a game in L.A. They'll close out the series back at home, and then they'll be headed to the NBA Finals to match up against one of these other two teams in the East. Um, And, man, it's just it's so exciting. Like, as fun as it is to watch LeBron James do battle with whoever else makes the finals or watch LeBron and the Warriors go at it or watch, you know, Kawhi and and whoever go at it, whatever the case may be. The parody that we're seeing right now, I think is, is more fun in the long run. As much as I love watching LeBron James go to work, as much as I enjoy watching him play basketball and play playoff basketball at the highest level in the biggest stage in the NBA in the finals, watching how other people react to the spotlight is also very much a fun thought to think about. Like imagining Trey Young matching up against Chris Paul in the finals is very a, a very promising thing. Being able to watch how DeAndre Ayton and how well he's played, him trying to match up against John Collins and Clint Capella in Atlanta would be a very fun thing. Um Nate McMillan gets to the finals, which I think he deserves the world. Like I said, I love Nate McMillan. He's a great coach. I loved when Atlanta picked him up. They went 35-15 and 15 since they grabbed him. He's been a, an absolute stud as a head coach. He was a stud in Indiana. I don't know why they let him go. Atlanta got a good one. I hope they can hang on to him for a while, and I hope Atlanta walks out with this title as much. That's, those are the two teams I'm pulling for. Um, if I had to rank least to worst who I want to win, I, the Clippers are dead last. Who gives a fuck? I don't care. Milwaukee's third. Cool. I get to he, I get to see Giannis win a title, but I have a couple annoying Bucks fans in my life that so I really don't want to hear from if that happens. Um, I want to see Trey Young win it because I think for the city of Atlanta that'd be a really cool thing. And obviously, who doesn't want to see Chris Paul win his first ring this late in his career? So, as far as far as finals predictions themselves go, trying to pick the winner of of that Hawks Sun series, man, I don't know. Uh, that's tough. Like I said, both I think these are the two hottest teams in basketball right now. The Suns are more hot as a team. I think uh, Trey Young is the hottest player in basketball right now. Oh, boy. Um, like I said, I, I picked Trey Young to to make the finals because I bet on him in both series and I wasn't going to do it again. I'm going to stick to that philosophy here. I'm going to take the Hawks in six. Hard-fought battle by by the Suns, but I I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything that I think is going to happen because I don't want to jinx it. I don't want. I don't want to put any bad venom out in the air towards the Suns or towards either of their players. But I think there might. 
I don't know. I just have a... I don't know. I'm not going to say anything. I, it's just a gut feeling. I'm going to rock with the Hawks in six. So that's going to do it for the finals prediction bonus. Uh, if you made it this far, I appreciate you. Um, make sure you guys tune in next week. Episode 19, we're back on schedule. We'll see you guys then.